You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Matthew 5, starting at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now, when we define beatitudes, and we, we understand that beatitudes are condition or statement. It's a condition or statement of, of blessedness or being blessed. It is the word for blessed, happy, fortunate. And the word blessed in the Greek actually means to be happy, to be fortunate. Um, and now, the Greek word translated blessed means spiritual well-being and prosperity. It refers to deep joy of the soul. Okay, so this is not just, you know, a good laugh or just a, a moment of happiness or joy. This goes much deeper than that. It's much more complex than that. Now, how I define Beatitudes, just from my research and study, is conditions of the heart that result in true happiness, okay? Or we could say attitudes reflecting actions that result in happiness. And I'll share that again in case you're taking notes. Uh, how I define Beatitudes is conditions of the heart that result in true happiness. Or attitudes reflecting actions that result in happiness. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but do you want to be happy in life? Okay, I, you know, be honest. Yes, we don't want to be miserable. We don't want to be sad all the time. We don't want to be depressed all the time. All the time. God is concerned about your well-being and about what's happening in your life. And happiness relates to happenings, what's happening in your life. What's happening in your life right now? God wants that to be an experience that's filled with joy, that's filled with his blessing so that you can encounter his life as you live your life, okay? See, God wants to encounter mankind, to bring his zoe, the way he experiences life, at the level that we experience it. Now, we know that God is, you know, his level is up here, but yet he said when we pray, we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because God is longing to manifest heaven on this earth. Heaven's joy, heaven's peace, you know, all the attributes that Jesus possesses, God wants to share that with humanity, okay? Can you say amen? amen. Now, uh, Beatitudes give us a perspective of a kingdom mindset and the right attitude to live life with God's blessing. And I want to live life with God's blessing. I really do. I want the blessing of God in my life, and not because I'm selfish, but I know that if I'm blessed, then I will be a blessing 
That was the whole purpose with God blessing Abraham. He said, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. The reason God wants to bless you is so you can bless others. The blessing does not stop short with you. It doesn't just stay with you. It's great to have Cammie with us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, isn't it? Yeah, she's a blessing. You know, she actually graduated from Stevens Point Christian Academy, which we're having a great event today for those of you that don't do anything, that, that aren't doing anything this afternoon. We actually scheduled it during a bye week. We have a jogathon at Gookie Field. We'll be running around the track and raising money for the school. So join us. Amen. So good to have you, Cammie. She's heading out to the airport. She's heading to Appleton right after church. So I need to keep it short. Okay, short and sweet. Okay. All right. Uh, I almost lost my place here. Uh, The Beatitudes address heart issues. Now, remember that. It it addresses issues of the heart. Beatitudes identify the blessed person and also the condition resulting in that blessing, okay? Uh, The Beatitudes identify right attitudes, and sometimes we can have some wrong attitudes, can't we? Uh, They identify the right attitudes which result in the blessing of God in our lives. The Beatitudes are really the code of conduct uh, for Christian living. And, uh, and really, uh, which really, I believe, reflects the heart of God. The heart of God is reflected in all of these Beatitudes. In each of the Beatitudes, we see a condition that is connected to a promise. And, and see, God has made it possible for us to meet these conditions so that we can walk in the promise and the blessing that he gives us the Beatitudes actually has three parts. First is the objective uh, or the adjective blessed. The ad- adjective blessed. Number two, the identification of the blessed person. And then number three, the condition assuring blessedness. So there's three components to this. Now week one we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and this is uh, Pastor Aaron shared with you uh, in the second week, it talks about recognition. It's really complete dependency upon God. It's, it's realizing our condition without God's intervention. We're broke. We're in poverty. We're utterly helpless to deal with our own situation. So we need God. Poor in spirit commends those who realize their destitute condition without God and apart from God. And so that's why we need God. And, and in fact, before you can really come to God, you have to recognize your condition. Some people think, well, I'm good enough. God, you need any help? Because I can help you, God. No, <laughs> you, you can't help God. You know, he, he helps you. Now, you can give your heart to him, and then you can do something for him. But uh, we need to recognize our destitute situation without him. Week two, Pastor Aaron, he did a masterful job uh, on blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And this is really addressing the issue of remorse, to understand the price of our sin and to grieve over our wrong action. And so he he made the statement I thought was good. He said, we can make the best of our sorrow by letting sorrow make the best of us. Because remorse, and that turns the thing around to recognize we we messed up so bad, but now God's turned that around and he's brought redemption in our life. Uh, to mourn is to detest the sin that kept you bound, okay? And then week three, my lovely wife uh, talked about blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, now, that's a pretty good deal, to inherit the earth. In other words, that's some real estate. God says, okay, I'm going to give you some real estate. 
If you're meek, okay, let's, how, how can we become meek? Let's, let's work this thing, okay? Uh, how many of you wouldn't mind having some real estate? Be honest, three people, four people, okay, five, okay. Yeah, God knows that. So he wants us to inherit some real estate, okay? Some people think, well, I'm just going to be out of here. This world's going to burn up. But, you know, God's going to do something on this earth. He's going to recreate it. He's going to fix it up a little bit. He's going to renovate it. And then he's going to let us share it and experience it. Because in the end, heaven is going to be on this earth. That's God's whole plan. If you read the end of Revelation, the city of heaven, God comes down on this earth. This is where it's going to happen. Now, it's going to have to be burned up first. There's going to be a lot of things that occur before that. But that's not my message. I'm not going to talk about the new earth, heavens and earth. Uh, but anyway, Pastor Deb said, being meek isn't something we strive for. It's something we learn. And that's so true. That's so true. To be meek is to possess the strength of a peaceful and gentle spirit. I love that. James 1.21 says, to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. See, meekness is the capacity and the ability to receive from God. Uh, because to be meek means to be teachable. S- some people associate meekness with weakness, but yet it's an inner strength that we can possess in our lives. And in fact, it refers, meekness is what we need to receive what God has for us. It refers to exercising God's strength under his control, okay? Uh, A gentle person has great strength, but he knows how to control it. Now, I'm going to date myself here, but I grew up watching Gentle Ben. How many of you grew up watching Gentle Ben? It was this program about this big grizzly bear. Was it a grizzly? (laughs) But he was gentle. He was a tame bear. And sometimes he'd come on the scene and people would freak out, ah! But it's okay, he's a, he's a gentle bear. And, and so uh, that bear had great strength, but he knew how to control it. That's what meekness is. You have a lot of strength, but you don't misuse it, okay? All right. Now, let's look at the fourth beatitude. We want to spend the rest of the time taking a look at this, taking a peek at this. We see in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, hunger and thirst, that's something we can all identify with. In fact, some of you are hungry right now. I can hear your stomach growling, okay? Some of you are thirsty right now. Say, oh, I just want some water. Well, there's a water fountain in the the foyer. If you're really thirsty, just help yourself. It won't bother me. Get up out of your seat. Just go do it, okay? Hunger and thirst is something we all deal with. Now, to have a good appetite is a sign that you're healthy. See, the first thing that happens to me when I get sick, I lose my appetite. I'm not hungry. You know, and, and, and sometimes that's the way the body works to deal with things and issues, you know, uh, because you don't want to be taking any more food if you've got issues your body's trying to deal with, okay? Um, but we see a spiritual parallel to a natural function for our bodies, to, a spiritual, to be spiritually hungry and thirsty results in blessing we see here. Uh, there are those who are hungry and thirsty in the natural, but that does not automatically mean they're going to be filled, okay? Because they have to go where they can eat. 
you usually have a choice of what you will eat, don't you? Now you can feed on junk food and you can feed on things that are sweets and all that stuff and that's not healthy for you. That's not really good for you. Occasionally it's fine, but not for a steady diet because it's gonna actually be a breakdown of your health if you feed that way. Now some Christians, and we're gonna apply this spiritually, have lost their appetite for good food because they've been feeding on junk food. If you, if you go home after work and you just turn on the TV, you're watching all kinds of television shows, you've, you're feeding on that stuff. That stuff is feeding and affecting your spirit. That's what I call junk food. It's not gonna nourish your spirit, it's not gonna build you up in your inner man. Especially if, if you want to really be a Christian going on with God, you've gotta watch what you eat. You've gotta watch what you take in. Now we all get hungry and thirsty. But what are we hungry and thirsty for? Junk food or, or food that is healthy? What are you craving for? See, your appetite is usually driven by your taste buds, right? But what tastes good is not always good for you. And, and I found because, you know, we've, we've made some diet changes over the years and, and made attempts to eat more holistically and I've discovered that when I begin to eat healthier foods, my body and my taste buds begin to desire those healthier foods. And if I go back to the junk food, it's like, this doesn't taste like it used to. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not craving that junk food anymore. I'm, I'm craving healthier food because your taste buds can be conditioned for what's good, for what's better for you. The same holds true spiritually. Now, speaking of food, when I was gone, my wife ordered a whole case of avocados. A whole case. I think there's at least 60 in that case. Now, it was a good idea because it was a good deal. I mean, my, my wife is always looking for sale. If it's a good sale, she buys it. But 60 avocados? The only thing you can do with those things is make guacamole. So we're eating a lot of guacamole right now, folks. <laughs> it's good, it's good. But now why am I sharing this? I don't wanna get in trouble here. Um, there's enough for the whole church, okay? We can, we can bless all of you. Uh, but she actually found a way that she can uh, freeze that and put them in baggies and, and save it for later. So she's gonna do this little homemaking deal and, and so we'll have guacamole all winter long. Okay, even when they're out of season. So, right, that's the plan? Except me. Except me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble now, I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, consider these words relating to hunger. Stirring, motivation, passion, craving, desire, desperation, discomfort, yearning, searching. All of these things can relate to the word hunger. And when we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, it, it is also applicable. Hunger is a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by lack of food, coupled with a desire to eat. It's a strong desire or craving for something. Um, our hunger and thirst is qualified in this beatitude. The hunger and thirst must be for righteousness. 
If you look at that passage, it says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So this is directing us on a particular thing to feed on for our spiritual well-being. It's not just to hunger and thirst for anything, but specifically to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we want to take a few moments and look at that. How can we define righteousness? See, it is what God is. He is righteous. And it's what we are not without him. He is righteous and we are unrighteous. Yet, righteousness is a gift that we receive, not something we earn. We don't earn it on our own merits, on our own performance, on our own self-effort. It's a gift that we receive. We, let's look at Romans 5.17 because clearly we see righteousness identified as a gift in this particular passage. Romans 5.17 says, For if... Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Now, that's referring to Adam. Adam is the guy that blew it for all of us, okay? He made life hard on... Now, uh, when you go to heaven, when you die and go to heaven, uh, when you see Adam, go easy on him, okay? Just say, hey, buddy, I forgive you. And Jesus came through, you know, you, you messed up, but Jesus took care of it, okay? So don't be too hard on Adam because, you know... Um, can happen to you too, okay? You know, so we can't necessarily blame Adam, but he is at fault. Through that one man, death reigned. Now notice there's two words there after the comma. It says much more, much more, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came to set this thing right. But through that gift, much more through the abundance of his grace will we reign in life. Now, the word reign is interesting because that is the word used to identify the role of a king in his reign over a kingdom. We see that through this gift of righteousness that God gives us the capacity to reign in this life. And to reign over the circumstances and situations that would try to hedge us in, that would try to bring defeat, discouragement, depression, that we can reign over all that junk that would try to wipe us out. So this is pretty significant when we see this thing of, of righteousness, when we hunger and thirst for this righteousness that God gives to us as a gift. Now, help me, let me help you to, uh, to understand this further. Righteousness, one way, and I've heard this years ago, and I love it. Righteousness is right standing with God. It's right standing with God. See, it is right action or right living. It's living right. In the Greek, it is defined as rightness, to be right. Now, nobody likes to be wrong, right? God is right, he's righteous. But he imputes that or imparts that to us when we hunger and thirst for it, okay? Now, and when we see these Beatitudes, there's a progression of how we come to Christ. And how we come to Christ, one of the things he does, he gives us his righteous nature so that we can live right, so that we don't have to live by do's and don'ts, but we live out of his righteous nature that he gives to us. Uh, the Greek 
In the Greek, it's defined as rightness. It is action or an act God approves of. It is right order to have things in proper order. It also means to be wise to one's rights. It's thinking and acting in alignment with God and his word. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you need to look at that because this is also a key verse in understanding what God did for us through Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible, and I just found out there's two Amplified versions, so I'm going to read the one off the screen because uh, mine is slightly different here. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we might become endowed with, viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. So he made us who were full of sin By taking our sin, he made us the righteousness of God in him. So in other words, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. He took that sinful nature and gave us his righteous nature. It's a gift. And yet, so many Christians struggle because they're trying to do all this stuff, but they haven't recognized that they now possess the righteous nature of God through the new birth, through relationship with Jesus, we can now live right. We don't have to give in to sin any longer. We can overcome temptation. We can overcome all that junk. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 1.30. I love this passage because this again tells us who Jesus has become to us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him, because of Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So he became to us our righteousness. He became our sanctification and redemption. Now sanctification, we need to understand what that is. That's the process of making or becoming holy, to be set apart. It means to be consecrated. Sanctification is the process of advancing in holiness, becoming more and more like Jesus, taking on his image, being transformed into the image of Christ. See, that, see, that's really God's intent. He wants to transform your life so that you can be just like him because you have his DNA. See, when Adam sinned, that got kind of messed up. It got tainted by this sin. But you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. And through redemption, to the work of the cross, Jesus was able to restore what was lost, to bring righteousness back into our being, into our existence. Now, are you, are you with me? Are you, are, you, are you getting hold of this this morning? See, Jesus is the only one that can satisfy the longing of the human heart. Jesus, in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. So we can come to that place in Christ that we won't be hungry anymore for the wrong things, for the junk food, so to speak. 
but we'll be satisfied because we've come to him, because we believe in him. In Luke chapter 1, verse 53, the scripture says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. See, he, he, he fills the hungry with good things. Now, uh, we see in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, the apostle Paul pursued a righteousness that was not of his own works, but a righteousness that was through Christ. And, I want it before, and, and, and you can turn there, Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we're going to look at that. Um, and let me just say this, because I'm prone to do this. When you're not happy with yourself, don't take it out on others. Have you ever been down on yourself? Oh, how could I be so stupid? How could I have done that? You get on that. Ever, ever do that? You just start beating yourself up. Uh, when you get down on yourself, don't take it out on others. Okay? It's not their fault. But sometimes we can pick up these attitudes and we're frustrated with ourselves, And so we take it out on others. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are frustrated with their life right now. And I believe that God wants to bring a shift and a refocus of our life where we can be drawing more upon him and receiving more of what he has for us. I believe in this church there's a longing for more of God. I really believe there's a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Sometimes we just haven't known how to get it or go after it. But in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it, it reads, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, he took his relationship with Christ serious. He said, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So the Apostle Paul was willing to give everything up. He was holding on to nothing. Anything that would keep him from knowing Christ, from having Jesus in his life, it didn't matter. He set that aside. And goes on to say, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, this gift of righteousness depends on our faith. We simply believe God. We believe that he gives us his righteous nature and then we begin to walk in his righteousness. See, I can make this declaration and I'm telling the truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not based on what I've done or what I deserve, but based on his word, which we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5.21. A question I want to ask you this morning. Do you long for a great move of God? Are you hungry for God? I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. See, great hunger for God brings great breakthrough. And I believe we must maintain a childlike faith, a childlike heart in hungering for more. Because I believe God wants to bring an extraordinary move to our city, an extraordinary move to this church. In just a couple of weeks, the Awakening 209 team is going to be here. Isaiah Salivar is going to be coming. And, and I want to encourage you to be here for every service. Make time in your schedule. Because we're making room for an opportunity for God to visit this city. 
with a man that God has used to bring revival wherever he's gone. To bring a word in season that can shake up the so-called status quo and to really challenge our hearts to the core. See, we should as Christians not want our ears tickled all the time. Uh, we shouldn't just want a good sermon that'll make us feel good about ourselves, but we should desire to have a message that goes deep into our heart and challenges our soul, that really deals with our motives, the motivation of why we do what we do, but to be really challenged to the core. I really want that for my life. I want that for this church because God wants to make this a revival center where his presence would be so real, where people who come into these doors would encounter his presence in such a way that their lives would be changed forever. See, the God, kind of God we serve can do amazing things. The God we serve can do extraordinary things. Hallelujah. Now, it is vital to recognize our need to cry out to him. See, if, if you don't recognize that you need him, maybe you think, oh, I'm doing fine. No, you need him. You need more of what he can do for you and in your life. See, if you don't recognize your need, the cry for more is just a form or formality, a powerless tradition. You need to say, I really need you, God. I need you in my life more than ever. God wants to invade earth. He wants an invasion from heaven on earth. What if God wants to flood this earth with his glory to reconstruct it? Think about that for a moment. In the Old Testament, we see God sending a flood to bring judgment, to destroy the earth as it was. But in the New Testament, we see God bringing an outpouring of his spirit. And the scripture says that the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So it's a different type of flood. It's a flood of revival, a flood of his spirit to bring restoration, to bring healing, to bring right order. See, as we seek God, and, and, and part of this hungering and thirsting for righteousness requires that we seek God in prayer. Because hunger will drive you to his presence. It will drive you to your knees to seek out the heart of God. Prayer removes the obstacle to victory. Hallelujah. Let there be mighty outpourings of God's spirit. I, I want to see, I want to live to see the outpouring of God's spirit more and more. How about you? Are you with me on some of this? Okay, say, hey, what's Pastor off into now? <laughs> Habakkuk 1.5 says, look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Wow. I believe that's for the season we're living in. So what can we learn from this beatitude? And, and I'm going to give you my three points of what we can learn as, as we wind this up this morning. Number one, hunger and thirst is good, normal, and healthy. But our hunger and thirst for righteousness is satisfied only by seeking the kingdom of God. It's only by seeking his righteousness. So have you made his kingdom a priority in your life? 
It has to happen. It has to take place. You have to make, you have to be determined to make the kingdom of God a priority in your life. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. This is a issue of priority. Number two, his righteousness is the object of our hunger and thirst. It's his right order for our lives. In the Amplified Bible, I'm going to read the same verse, Matthew 6, 33. It reads a little bit differently. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. Hallelujah. And then finally, number three. The reason for an unsatisfied life, and you need to get this, the reason for an unsatisfied life is the result of an unsurrendered heart. Uh, God gave that to me when I was in Africa. And one of the meetings, we were going into session, and right before the session, the Lord gave me that word. I said, oh God, I need to deliver this word. I'll say it again. The reason for an unsatisfied life is a result of an unsurrendered heart. So are you satisfied? (laughs) Psalms 145 verse 16 says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. And Jeremiah 31 25 says, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. God's pledged his word to bring satisfaction to the human heart. We're going to have a time in responding to an invitation. And this invitation is, will you receive a gift from God that he has for you today? I believe he has a gift for you today. Every one of you has a gift for you. You might say, well, what is it? So if Jesus came walking here, I have a gift for you. Would you ask him what it was? Or would you say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to receive this gift. Would you take it without asking what it is? Some people say, Lord, I need to know what I'm getting myself into. Well, the gift I believe that he's going to give to us today is a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness. To me, that's a wonderful gift to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that begins to change and transform our life because it changes our attitude, it changes our priorities. I mean, the youth are meeting on Wednesday mornings for prayer and God's drawing the youth in and and God's doing something in student ministries. You know, I believe God has so much more. I, I have to share this. On October 1st, 2015, a gunman singled out Christians, telling them they would see God in one second during a rampage at Oregon College on Thursday, October 1st. That left at least nine innocent people dead and several more wounded. He started asking people one by one what their religion was. Are you a Christian? He'd ask them, if you're a Christian, stand up. They would stand up 
And he said, good, because you're a Christian, you're going to see God in just about one second. Then he shot and killed them. Stacy Bolin, whose daughter was wounded at the community college, told this to CNN. Gunman Chris Harper Musu's disdain for religion was evident in an online profile in which he became a member of a doesn't like organized religion group on the internet. You know, you think about this, in this day, Christians are standing up because they believe in Jesus. They're standing up for their faith and it cost them their very life. If you were in that classroom that day, how would you handle that situation? What if you stood up and took a bullet? And I, I think of the commitment of those Christians. And you know, there was a time in my life that I thought, if it ever came down to it, could I give my life for Jesus? But yet we need to face it, he gave his life for us. He laid down his life for us. Yes, I would take that bullet. I would stand unashamed. Could you do that? You might say, I'm just not there, Pastor. I'm just not there. Well, then, you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want you to stand together with me this morning. How many of you want to receive this gift that Jesus has for us today? A greater hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you ready to receive that gift? Are you ready to be stirred on the inside? Are you ready to be motivated to lay certain things aside and to go all out for God? It's coming right down to these end times. We look around and we don't have to even be a rocket scientist to realize we're living in the last days. These are the last days. What are you doing with the time remaining? Now's the time to get right with God. Today's the acceptable day. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to receive him today. You need to get your life right with him today. He is not only willing to receive and accept you, he's already made provision for you in his love and forgiveness. He's welcoming you home. All you have to do is receive his love, receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Father. If you want to receive this gift this morning, lift your hand. In fact, lift both of them as a sign, as a symbol of surrender. And don't be concerned about the people around you, whether they're lifting their hand or not. This, this is between you and God. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I surrender my life to you. I receive the gift that you have for me today. The gift of hunger and thirst for righteousness. So that I can be satisfied. So that I can find my satisfaction in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, I open my heart to you. And I give my heart to you. Afresh and anew. 
Let conviction of your spirit move over my life. Help me to walk this out. Help me to live this life to honor you in Jesus' name. Now in your own words, just talk to him right now. Just talk to him. Father, we thank you. We come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice that that your God would have your way in and among them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.